Well, affordability and housing are big pillars in this liberal budget. To look at the political calculation behind it, Stuart Press, a lecturer in political science at Simon Fraser University, joins me now. Welcome. Oh, thanks for having me on. I guess it's no surprise that this budget has uh, is, is really focusing on housing and affordability in general, because as you've pointed out recently, this has become a, a real a real vulnerability for this government, I think. Yeah, I think there's there's a substantial uh, substantive reason reason to focus on it, and there's also a political reason to focus on it. Clearly, with the way in which uh, home prices and, and rental uh, prices are, are skyrocketing around the country, there's there's a real need there to to respond. And and provincial governments, which normally have the responsibility for for housing as as a sector of the economy, are not uh, so far not able to 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 respond to that challenge effectively. And uh, and politically, we see that uh, conservative leadership uh, uh, hopefuls, particularly. Pierre Polyev, really targeting affordability in general and, and making uh, housing a core part of their, their pitch to Canadians that this government has not been able to address their, their affordability concerns. And, and so the Liberals really have had to find a way to respond to those charges. When you look at, at their ability, though, to affect any kind of meaningful change, it feels like this is a market that's very hard to get a grasp of, regardless of what level of government you're at. Absolutely. And part of the problem is, of course, that multi-jurisdictional uh, issue there. The fact that to, to build new housing in Canada requires the cooperation of, of at least three levels of government. You've got the uh, the municipalities who are responsible for most zoning uh, regulations. That power is delegated by the provinces, but they're doing so under the uh, the structures put in place by provincial governments. And provincial governments are going to to regulate the, the broader contours of, of the, the housing uh, industry. But then uh, on top of that, when we, whenever we need uh, additional funding, and we certainly do for things like social housing in the country, or if we're trying to do things like uh, uh, whole, uh, put up barriers to, to foreign investment in the, the housing uh, market in Canada, then we're going to need the federal government to step in as well. And so we have this three-cornered uh, dance between these different levels of government. And then on top of that, we still have to actually get things built on the ground in specific neighborhoods. And that is uh, often a significant challenge unto itself. And so so uh, this is a thorny problem. It is a problem that is a, a, a long time in the making. And, and so I don't think any one thing that any one level of government can do right now is going to turn things around on a dime. When you look at some of the measures that the Liberals have introduced in this budget, um, one, some of them are, seem like good fiscal ideas or policy ideas. There's certainly political ideas in there, too. What do you make of this, this proposed uh, ban on foreign buyers? I think it's a nod towards the the perception in in Canadian uh, uh, media and in, in among Canadians who are trying to get into the the, the housing market that uh, the. The idea of housing as a commodity has really taken hold, and there's a real concern that we're seeing people use it as an investment, including people who are not located in the country. And I think if we were to look at the the overall sources of uh, inflation and housing prices in Canada, um, foreign uh, ownership, people who are not based in the country at all, is going to be a small portion of, of the driver, but it is one piece of, of that puzzle. And so uh, the fact that it is something uh, substantial that the governments can do right now it's a way to to try to demonstrate a, a vigor of action. There's there's a problem when we extend uh, that kind of, of thinking too far out. It can start to create barriers between Canada and, and the world with regard to to migration and movement of capital and, and so on. So I think there are there are some risks if we start to look purely at the the, the role that um, external actors are, are playing in the, the housing industry when a lot of the demand is created by Canadians either trying to enter the market for the first time or trying to upgrade or, or trying to create uh, investment opportunities 
opportunities for themselves against the backdrop of really limited supply and in housing where vacancy rates continue to be uh, very low historically in places like Vancouver. So that formula is going to have prices continue to mount and uh, limiting or, or uh, putting a ban on, on foreign uh, ownership and buying for two years may, may put a, a small dent in that, but it's not going to be a, a, a one-shot solution. So politically speaking, then, where do you see the vulnerabilities for this government? Who are they vulnerable with? I think you pointed out that it's it's specifically with younger generations who may be really feeling the, the affordability crunch and really looking to governments not just to speak progressively, but to, to do things, actually, and that they can be. Um, there can be a lure to others, such as a Pierre Polyev, who come out and sound and speak passionately about affordability issues, regardless of what their proposed solutions may be. Right. And it's kind of counterintuitive. We tend to think of younger voters as being more on the progressive end of the spectrum. So if uh, there was a danger to the liberals and losing some of the the younger voters in the country would be to to the NDP, you would think. But the, the problem here is that on an issue like housing, uh, if if a government is seen to be completely in, unable to respond to a challenge that is uh, raising to the level of crisis for uh, some Canadians, and and particularly among young younger Canadians who are hoping to join in uh, uh, the uh, into the housing market and become owners at some po- point, and are simply despairing of ever being able to do so, even if they tend to be on the progressive end of the spectrum in a lot of ways, if if you can't afford uh, shelter, if you just uh, you're seeing that this government is unable to respond to your needs in that regard, it may be enough to look for other solutions. And if you hear a, a loud and, and very blunt voice and from a, a different perspective saying that the government's got it all wrong and, and what we need to liberalize things radically, uh, and this is the kind of pitch that Pierre Polyev is making, you might stop and, and, and listen to it, uh, even if uh, in other ways you would have been skeptical of that pitch. It's just the crisis is so much and, and the government's ability to respond seems so compromised that you're willing to turn to a more, say, populist option. It does feel like, and it's, it's, it's strange to say this, but through COVID, um, that the liberals were caught off guard by, by this affordability crunch to some extent, that, that the scope of it has caught them off guard. And what we're seeing now is this sort of attempt to try to catch up. Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of people were caught off guard by the idea that in the midst of the pandemic, that the housing markets across the country would, would just skyrocket. There was a, a, an expectation, perhaps, that the the economy would be uh, uh, reduced by by the pandemic, and we did see that, and that people would rein in their spending. <laughs> Excuse me. But uh, if anything, we saw quite the opposite. So those who were at home had very little to spend money on, suddenly had additional resources to to get involved in the housing market, and it unleashed this pent up demand instead. And so I think that caught a a lot of people off guard, but of course it's building on a situation that was already in place. It's not like prices were uh, uh, stable or or declining in the years prior to to the pandemic. We just saw an acceleration of a process that was already underway. And and it's clear that the the federal government is trying to play catch up now by making this a a housing budget, making that the the top line takeaway of what the new spending is in this budget. And and in other ways, it is uh, quite a limited document compared to recent uh, pandemic budgets. We don't see a lot of new spending, but the spending that is there a lot of it is focused primarily on dealing with with this challenge so does it go far enough does it, or does it go far enough to change anything I think it will make some differences on on the margins. I think it will try to incentivize municipalities to to be a little more progressive in their approach, or a little more aggressive, I should say, in their approach to, to new housing, and to perhaps loosening up the zoning regulations and finding opportunities to to increase the number of, of new units being built, both both in terms of affordable housing and and also market based uh, housing. But I don't think that any one government has a lever lever they can pull to to simply fix.
fix this problem. It is a, a multi-jurisdictional issue. It is a result of a relative uh, lack of spending on things like social housing over the last 30 years or so. And so it's going to take a great deal of time to try to uh, address the, that, that prolonged gap, that prolonged sh- shortfall. And so it's going, to, it's going to make a difference, but it's not going to be transformative. Stuart Prest, thank you so much for your time tonight. Always a pleasure. Thank you.